you pretty much have the best offensive squad in the league. You know, you got guys who can put the ball on the floor. You got guys who can pass. You got guys who can shoot. You got guys who create offensive matchup problems all over the floor. It doesn't even matter, you know, who they got in the middle. They just run five out there. It's the future. Down in distance. On Back. We've already talked about Kevin Durant, free agency. We got into it with our guy Jared Payton at Payton Sun. We also got into the business and branding side of it a little bit more and the effect that it'll have on Steph Curry's legacy moving forward and what it means if Jerry West is asking Kevin Durant to come to Golden State and be the closer. Now we go to the X's and O's. We get down to the grit of the matter. Down a distance, WGNRadio.com in association with the arena coming soon on the line we have my guy brian crawford you can reach him on twitter at mr craw 4d you can catch him slam hoop doing everything and before we get into it i just want to read something to you off twitter that i found very interesting it comes from center for the detroit pistons one andre drummond he had this to say in response to everybody on Twitter giving the championship next year to the Golden State Warriors. He said, everyone is so hyped up on the matchup problems on the offensive end. They still got to come down on the other end. Not a very big team. Thinking emoji. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, the game still got to be played, right? Yeah. But when, when, when LeBron joined the Miami Heat, we knew it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that they was going to win. A championship. Now, obviously, they counted it down six, seven, or whatever. That didn't happen, but they did win multiple championships, and we knew that they had the best team to do it. It's the same thing with Golden State now. You know, you got four of the premier players in the NBA on the same team, so it's not beyond reason for anyone to already pencil them in for a championship. I mean, Draymond is right. You know, they are a very small team. They had to get rid of uh, rid of Azili. They probably got to get rid of Bogut. You know, just to make the deal work, and obviously. Uh, Harrison Barnes won't be back. So, you know, in that sense, they do have some work to do. But, I mean, as far as having four of the best players in the NBA on the same team, we're talking about all-stars, Olympians, that kind of talent, you know, Hall of Fame talent on the same team. I mean, it's just not fair for everybody else. So, I mean, I get what Draymond is saying as far as, yeah, we still got work to do. But, you know, it's not crazy to think that they probably going to win the championship next year, the year after that, or, you know, how long they got KD and, Draymond and Steph and Clay in uniform. So what are your thoughts? Jerry West wanted him to come there and be the closer. Isn't that funny coming off of the fact that the supporting cast got him a six-point lead with three minutes left in game six, and he couldn't close for Oklahoma City? How do you come to him as Jerry West and say, hey, come to Golden State and be our closer? I mean, I don't know if they necessarily, you know, bringing him out there to be the close over Steph. I don't even really think that matters. You know, I think, you know, they feel as though, look, man, they were seven points away from a championship at the small four spot. We know who played that last season. And they didn't get that. So, you know, obviously Kevin Durant can't do that. I mean, you you pretty much have a have the best offensive squad in the league. You know, you got guys who can put the ball on the floor. You got guys who can pass. You got guys who can shoot. You know, you got you got guys who create offensive matchup problems all over the floor. You know what I'm saying? And, and and they can basically play positionless basketball. It doesn't even matter, you know, who they got in the middle. They just run five out there. And, you know, when you got four of the best players, you know, you put yourself at a very huge advantage. So, I mean, 
I don't, you know, I don't, who, who's the closer? It doesn't even really matter at this point because you got four guys who can do it. So you can definitely get that done by committee because if, if one isn't, you know, isn't making those shots, you got three more guys who are perfectly capable of doing that. You talk about the 2011 Miami Heat team. They had to learn how to play together, and I believe they struggled like the first 30 games. They lost a little bit more games than most people expected after giving them the championship before they played a game. You talk about you have to play the game. You have to step on the court and still play and compete. Do they go through the same process of trying to learn each other out in Golden State, or is it another assault on their own record of 73 wins? Well, I think the problem in Miami was, you know, everybody was trying to figure out, you know, how to defer to LeBron while LeBron was trying to figure out, you know, how he could get those other guys involved, which is his natural playing style, without, you know, being selfish and trying to take it over and, and make it his squad. So you had those debates about who was the best player, who was the close between him and D-Wade, that kind of thing. With Golden State, I don't think that's a problem. You know, I think, uh, you know, Kevin Durant has never been that selfish kind of, you know, me first type of basketball player. You know, he played his entire career with Russell Westbrook, so he knows and understands you know, how to fit within the system and how to defer and, you know, how to keep feeding the hot guys. And, you know, and he never takes or looks for the credit for himself. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to have a situation where guys are going to have to figure out tendencies and things like that. I mean, but you already got an established core group of guys and, you know, and Clay Steph and Draymond. And now you add in a guy like Kevin Durant who can play basketball. So, you know, I don't I don't think as far as, you know, learning, learning each other, I don't think that learning curve is going to be that steep. Number 40 and Andrew Bogut both will end up in Dallas. That's the way it's looking right now. And the trade for Andrew Bogut is in the final stages to go to Dallas to join one Harrison Barnes, who has been given a max offer, according to reports, by the Dallas Mavericks. You got to feel bad for Dirk that that's the people he has to play with at the end of his career. Before we let you go, BC, get your thoughts on the Rajon Rondo signing for the Chicago Bulls. Was it a good move? And then moving forward, is there anything else? Will Jimmy Butler possibly be moved this year, trade deadline? Or are we just looking at another 30-win season and looking at a draft pick? I mean, I like the Rondo pickup just for the fact they needed a starting point guard. You know, I thought it was going to be Mike Conley. Mike Conley obviously signed for $153 million in Memphis. You can't be mad about that. Um, I've always liked Rondo. You know, even when he was with the Celtics and, and, and they had that – it, that epic series against the Bulls, you know, I'd always just like the way the way he played. You know, he's a guy who can't shoot at all, but just makes little things happen in multiple places over, the, you know, all over the floor. You know, when you got a guy who can walk out there and get a triple double on any given night, or go out there at the point guard spot and grab you ten rebounds, and you know, he's already got those long arms and freakishly big hands. You know, he's just. He's just a freak of nature, you know, and a lot of people don't look at him like that. But as a basketball player, he really is a freak of nature and he's very smart. So I like that pickup for them in terms of needing a point guard. I also like it because I think him and Jimmy are going to mesh well. You know, I, I keep hearing the Jimmy Butler trade talk and it just doesn't even make sense to me. Like, I don't like I get it in terms of why would you want to, you know, make potentially be an AC versus a lottery C, but. You know, the lottery is, is, is not a sure thing. You know, every time you go into the lottery, you hope you can get one of those top three picks. And then if that's not you, then you pretty much grab them from the, from the bottom of the barrel in what has traditionally been, for the past several years, weak classes. So I don't 
I just don't understand the logic of trading Jimmy Butler. I mean, the Bulls have already pretty much drawn their line in the sand when they traded Derrick Rose, who was going to be the new face of the franchise and the team. So I don't think he's going to get moved anytime soon. I think this is just, you know, what we're going to have to work with. Probably go from, I said, 35 wins. It's probably go to like 38 wins now, 39, maybe 40. Who knows? But, um, you know, the Bulls are in a, in a, in, in a very – bad situation because they, they're not looking like a playoff team. It doesn't look like they care about being a playoff team. And it, and it seems like they're kind of laying in wait for two, for 2017's free agency class when they've never hit a home run in free agency anyway. So you know, I think this might be, you know, the year that Gar Foreman's seat gets really hot. Maybe Fred Hoiberg's seat gets really hot. But, you know, if they lose, you can't even blame them because they're not even built to win. So we'll see what happens. Brian Crawford right here. Follow him on Twitter at MrCroft4D on WGNRadio.com. Down in distance in association with the arena coming soon. Hey, bro, enjoy the rest of your holiday. We appreciate you. Yes, sir. You too. Yeah.